Well, it's been about 14 months since we officially launched Season 4 of the Brisbane Football Review, and after a whole lot of football, it's finally time to bring down the curtain on what has been a very, very eventful season. Welcome to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam here with you on this rainy Thursday afternoon for our last proper podcast for the time being, but don't worry, we'll be back next season. But in the end today, we're going to look back on the season that was, the good, the bad, and the Bizarre, I think is the best way to sum it up. Is that about right, Adam? Yeah, well, like I said, it just encapsulates what is 2020. Scott, how are you? I'm good, James. How are you? And I think you're a marathon runner, James. This feels like a marathon, doesn't it, this A-League season? Yeah, but unlike, you know, getting to the end of this A-League season, finishing a marathon brings a much greater sense of accomplishment and a much (laughs) bigger appetite. Hear hear to that. (laughs) Yeah, so this is the Brisbane Football Review. Uh, you can get in touch with us, email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com, Facebook, The Raw Review, Twitter, at BNE Football. You can listen to our podcast on Football Nation Radio. They're still doing fantastic work, despite everything that's going on down in Melbourne and Victoria at the moment. So get in touch with them as well. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, our podcast is available iTunes, Wooshka, Spotify, TuneIn, and a couple of other good platforms as well. Uh, leave us a rating and a review, just telling us how much you've enjoyed what has been a very, very long season. And I think that's going to be the theme for this very, very long podcast recap. Scott? Yeah, I think it very well could be. It's been a very long season, but a lot to, a lot to talk about. There was a lot of good moments over the season for the Raw. James, so let's go through it. Yes, definitely. Okay, we're going to start off with part one, the season breakdown for the Raw. And it all got underway on a pretty high note as well. While we were at Perry Park watching... And FFA Cup tie. I forget which one it was. I think it might have been Olympic in Adelaide, perhaps. One of those. It was either Olympic or Brisbane Strike, because it was one of the two. Either way, it was a good night at Perry Park for us, and a fantastic night down in Sydney for the Raw in what was Robbie Fowler's professional managerial debut for the Raw, and they won their opening match against Sydney FC for their first FFA Cup victory since 2014. Yeah, it was a very positive start. Uh, it's sort of, you know, a harbinger of sort of things to come as far as, you know, getting past you know, what was a horrific 2018-19. And sort of, it was sort of in the right direction. Obviously, you know, we sort of questioned whether Sydney FC were, you know, sort of, you know, sort of on the same, you know, page after going and winning winning the uh, the championship. So, but like I said, a win's a win and it got things off to a good start for the Raw. It was good. And, it was, as you say, a sign of things to come. They set up in this new uh, five-at-the-back formation with, you know, two overlapping wing-backs. But it, it was a good sign as well. Admittedly, Sydney had, you know, a couple of asterisks to apply to that performance. But overall, like, it was a good start. It was a good start. And look, in the past, the Royal had been accused of not taking the FFA Cup completely seriously under previous management. So it was good to see them actually go out there and put in a really good performance against Sydney FC. Unfortunately, they fell just short on penalties at James the um, week after, oh, not the week after, the round after, I beg your pardon, against Central Coast. But it was good to see them go, progress in the Cup for the first time in a few years. Yeah, definitely. And as you said, they had an interesting night out at Redcliffe a few weeks later when they took on the Central Coast Mariners. And well, I, I feel like that 
match might have been one of the Mariners' top three moments of the season as well in what was a rough year for them. But that was a good game as well. And we did see the Raw, okay, they hadn't quite fixed all of their defensive issues there, but we did see a much greater resolve in this massively overhauled uh, squad. Yeah, and like I said, at the end of the day, other than you know not advancing to the um, to the the quarterfinals, um, other than that, like I said, it was still it still wasn't a loss. Like as we know, FFA Cup, especially when it's two A League teams, you know the penalty the penalty shootouts almost say you know a lottery, and you know who wants it more and whatnot. So you even couldn't even mark down that, other than you know the fact that they were out of the um out of the tournament. But you know at that stage, it might it wasn't sort of a bad thing. It allowed allowed um sort of the club to sort of work on, you know, their preseason program, you know, away from actual competitive football. That's it. And I'm trying to remember as well, what it did set up some reasonable expectations for the Raw going into the season. I think overall there was a sense of, you know, the Raw were going to be better than the year before, but maybe not in contention for finals. I think I picked them to finish fifth or sixth and lose <laughs> in the first final, which close enough to being correct anyway. But it did show us that, you know, what, what we we got a taste of what we were going to get. I'm sorry, I got caught in my own sentence structure there. But moving on, the A-League season kicked off, and they did have that 1-1 draw with Perth in the opening round, which I've got to say, overall, like, it was probably Aaron Amati Holloway's best moment. It probably was, actually, a really good little flick on from the from the, from the cross into him. And it was a, it really, that showed the improved mentality of the group, James, well, to continue to fight back from a goal down very late. On. I think that was about the 93rd or 94th minute when they did get the equaliser there against Perth. And that showed the renewed sense of, like, I guess, spirit and a lot of freshness, but the um, desire to put, keep pushing on that we'd maybe not seen the year before towards the back end when when the season had gone downhill. So it was good to see that, but it, that was probably the high watermark for the Raw almost, or at least for a few weeks anyway, of the first third of the season because... It was a bit of a slow start, which we shouldn't have been too surprised at in hindsight, given there was such a turnover of players. It took a lot, a long time to get those players up to speed in terms of the way the new coach wanted them to play. That's it. And just thinking of that uh, start of the season as well, obviously the Raw were, frankly, rubbish in their home opener against Melbourne Victory that they lost 1-0, I think. I really tried to blur a lot of that out of my mind. And the following week in what was possibly the worst game of the entire A-League season, that nil-nil draw with the Wanderers out of Bank West, which I'm actually kind of glad I only wound up having to watch the uh, condensed version of that game because I was at work. Um, but yeah, overall, like they, 2019 wasn't great, but it built for what was a very successful 2020 calendar year between, well, New Year's Day and late March when the season got shut down. Yeah, and it's uh, like I said, but again, it's not it's not unusual that raw teams sort of started very very slow. Um, we saw the same under John Alawisi, where you know they don't win one of their first six or seven games. And it seemed to be the same, but I think the excuse was that there was a high turnover. They're playing new style, and it really sort of you know even even the, that uh, comeback win against Melbourne City up at uh, Dolphin Stadium, even that wasn't probably anywhere near the complete article. That was more of you know they they wanted more, and so it was more of a spectacle. But um, yeah, look, I, I think where the where the season turned was after they got smashed by Sydney, where they got. Uh, absolutely blown off the park. That seemed to be the catalyst where it's like, okay, it's now time to, you know, to put together, simplify the game plan. And that, and that seemed to sort of, you know, spur them on to at least, you know, much better from there. And like I said, as you, as you said, you know, the 2020 calendar year was a much better performance-wise and results-wise. Well, I think their overall record between January and um, 
the season shutdown was, yeah, as you put here, Scott, two losses from the next 12. And there were some absolutely blistering performances in there as well. Like Their best performance of the season, and I'm going to tease something for a little bit later here, but that win over the Wanderers where they just came out firing with a verb that, honestly, I, I don't remember seeing since John Aloisi's first season in charge in that match against the Wanderers. Yeah, that was a really, really good performance. But the, that run of two losses in 12, that took them from an equal a bottom of the table clash with Newcastle Inc. just just after Christmas up to being in the top four when the league shut down. So that that run of form was absolutely pivotal to the Raw's 2019-20 season. But that game against the Wanderers, you're right, that was, an, that was the best performance for me that they put in all season. You're right, because from minute one, they were up for that game. And they just played really, really well and put up a Wanderers team, which were pretty good at the time, not terrible to the sword. That's something we haven't seen from the Raw for a, for a while until then. And that does lead to the next point, which is probably the most frustrating thing of what happened during the shutdown where Robbie Fowler did leave the club. Now, we've discussed this quite a bit over the last couple of months, uh, you know, about the circumstances surrounding his departure, who was at fault or responsible for buying him the ticket back to Australia after he went home during the shutdown. We've all got our opinions on that. Scott, I know you've got a very strong one there. But uh, we've covered it before, so you can go back and listen to old episodes and help boost the listenership on that. Um, But for me, the frustrating thing was, I'm just going to leave it as, we saw what was an incomplete rebuild project from Robbie Fowler. He had done everything, I would say, quite well to that point to fix what was an atrocious backline. He'd rebuilt them. They were solid at the back. And you were starting to see that attacking quadrant, maybe, but of, you know, Inman O'Shea, um, McDonald, McDonald and, and at the time, Mirza Muradovic, really starting to click. And they were really starting to get together in the best possible way. And I think that would have probably been, if we were having this discussion, you know, with no shutdown, no pandemic, and we were just thinking, what have we got to look forward to for next season? That's exactly what I would have been saying is, that's the blueprint you want going forward. You've got it sorted at the back, and this is what you want to build around going forward, and you've got the talent to be a very strong attacking side. Yeah, generally that's sort of you know, the hallmarks of a two-year plan, especially when you go and concede 70-plus goals a season before. Is, you know, as they say, championships are built from the back, and obviously where Robbie Fowler did succeed was you know, getting that strong you know, defense, you know, defensive you know, up and running. You, and you could start seeing signs of then the attack was starting to follow. You know, obviously, you know, the Scott McDonald signing was, you know, I think in hindsight, was a stroke of genius. Um, I think a lot of people were sort of, I mean, are at the time thinking, you know, what he, he sort of he struggled at Western United. What was he going to bring for the Raw? Well, yeah, you know, he he was for for mine. He was the best player in the second half of of the season for the Raw. Um, Brad Inman was showing glimpses. You know, Jay Shea was being sort of you know himself without you know creating headlines. Um, so so yeah, like I think, but the one constant in the season was the uh, backline and the and you know the emergence of you know Tom Aldridge and Macaulay Gillespie as you know, a very reliable centre centre half pairing. And that was uh, about half of our player recaps done in that uh, sentence there from Adam. I will say 72 goals conceded last year down to 28 this year from the the worst or the second worst. I can't remember if the Mariners tally was higher or not, but it's the second fewest goals conceded this year. So that's a marked improvement across the board. So you've got to give the former coach full credit for the defensive players he brought in and the shape that was brought in Warren Moonoff to continue that on. I think that that was a massive improvement this year. It's the other end of the field now, to your point, James. That's where the evolution and improvement may need to 
to be. Just a few more goals and you might be able to push for that top two. We'll save that for part three, but we will talk now about um, the appointment of Warren Moon and the events that happened in the A-League hub, where the Raw played their final four uh, regular season matches, plus one final going down to Western United, 1-0 in what was a very frustrating... It wasn't bad, but it was just unbelievably frustrating performance from the Raw, where they just couldn't get that one bounce to go their way. And I, I still maintain, I think, Overall, they just got outthought by a very smart, experienced Western United side. Yeah, they probably did at the end of the day, James. But you're right, it was such a frustrating night, that one. The Raw had chances to win the game. They had get back into the game. Brad Inman hit the post. There were a couple of other chances that were squandered. But it was just immensely frustrating, wasn't it? Because I do think they were a better side than Western United. I think they'd shown that over the course of the season. But just that experience that Western United have, both in terms of the players that played overseas plus the finals experience some of their players have, it's just it just was too much, but it was frustrating, wasn't it, just to see the season end that way because I think we all thought they could have really pushed either Melbourne City or Sydney FC in the semifinals. Yeah, I think they absolutely could have because what we did see in what was, you know, an isolated situation that I, I'm not going to hold against any team, good or bad, going into next uh, into the next campaign, which will probably be next year by the sounds of things, it, I do think in that one-off situation, there's a, no reason to really think that there was anything major to take away from that. Yeah, look, Unless I you're think, an agent looking for a contract. I think as well, um, the, the sort of the record that uh, Warren Moon had, one win, two draws, uh, and two losses uh, in the back end of the season, look, that, to, to me, it's insignificant. I think um, at the end of the day, it was a sort of difficult situation as it was to, to take over in that spot. And I think, I think there was more to gain out of the performances and whatnot. And look, you're right about that, the um, elimination final loss to Western United. Again, it was one one bit of magic that, you know, that, that decide that that's high and that's, it happens. So look, there's nothing, you can take nothing away from, you know, you can't sort of look into that record, you know, at the back end of the season. Cause I think like to the, you know, trying to finish a season was the main objective, you know, trying to play a final series in a week, which is normally three weeks is not a normal situation. So look at the end of the day, it, it is what it is, but I think yeah, the hard work starts the raw once they get back from, um, from their holidays, whenever that is. Yeah, those last five or six games for everyone, you can almost just say, just chalk that up as a pass mark because the, what the, all, all 11 teams, particularly Wellington, Phoenix had to go through, but everyone had to go through moving into a hub, playing games in isolation like that. That was something that people just had not seen before. It's just something we haven't had to do before for a very, very long time. So it's just, it's a unique situation. It was what it was and we'd move on from it. Yeah, exactly. And, that's all you can really hope for out of these sorts you of can't, situations. You can't mark people harshly off of results in a hub. It's just, that seems really harsh to me. Exactly. And also, in good news, the players are finally out of quarantine. And based on a lot of the uh, Instagram posts, even the families are happy to have them back. <laughs> uh, it's been a while, hasn't it? Especially if you were the players' dogs, who I think might be the happiest ones uh, going around as well. So good to see them back. And, um, yeah, I will say, so that was the... Second straight uh, finals appearance that has ended at the elimination final stage after Melbourne City, the defeat to Melbourne City in their most recent finals appearance. That's yeah. the first loss at home in that round of the playoffs, unfortunately. Well, as history first, will say, it was a home final loss. Yeah, well, anyway. Still that's unbeaten, Suncorp. Yeah. yeah, there you go. 
that is what that is the reason I will put an asterisk on yeah. this, not to try and negate any sort of achievement for well Sydney FC, the champions and premiers of Australia, but just to say it was a really just crazy weird sort of situation for everybody involved. I'm all for negating things from Sydney FC, so keep going. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, yeah, so Sydney won. Uh, West United Worlds um, in their first season. But we want to keep this focus on the Raw. This is going to be a completely Raw A-League-focused podcast. So if you're here for NPL content, sorry, but please keep listening. We've got an NPL Sunday show for you each week. There you go. Plug. Um, so... I'm apparently taking the lead with the best moments of the A-League season for the Raw. And I would say there was one that I was present for and one that I was not present for. The win over the Wanderers, that was excellent um, in March at Suncorp. And the one that somehow seemed to come about because Adam and I were out of the country, the comeback win at Redcliffe over Melbourne City. Good day that, James. So I've been told. Yeah. Because of the uh, because of the time zone difference to Fiji, um, yeah. So I'm getting updates very 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 sporadically because I was trying my best to be off the grid over there. And I see okay, raw down three nil. I'm going to go to dinner because it was six thirty. And I come back, see the all the notifications and everything on my phone, and I go, yep, that makes sense. Maybe I should stay here. <laughs> Well, actually, actually, I have I have a similar story where when I was actually in Ningbo, China at the time, about to get get on, and um, like I said, I didn't have obviously have any vision or anything like that, but um, yeah, I was the same. That rolled down three nil, hopped on a flight to Hong Kong. Next thing I know, it's three all, it's four three, you know, full time. So like it's it's like I said, I don't know what happened when you know, I was in the air, but. Uh, yeah, well, obviously what happened happened, and obviously as well the the sort of you know Dolphin Stadium as well, you know, becoming a viable you know home ground as far for some of those secondary games. I think that's also you know one of the big achievements and the sort of you know one of the answering that question about whether it can be done or not. Yeah, Adam, that the atmosphere that day at Dolphin Stadium was probably the most notable part of the whole thing. Yes, the comeback on the field from the Raw was fantastic, but. The, the Dolphin was full that day, and the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic. And I do suspect, James, we may very well see more games at Dolphin next year, capitalising on that but possibility of a better atmosphere. Between the two games that they hosted out there during the season, plus the FFA Cup matches that have been played out there, there is absolutely no reason why Dolphin shouldn't be considered for, at the very least, three or four, if not more, um, A-League home games this coming season, whenever it kicks off. I feel like there's need to come with just about every single uh, yeah. caveat. Allegedly about... January, but Allegedly. keep your eyes out for fixtures. Yeah, we'll just have to wait and see how that's going. Now, Adam, I'm going to need you to do me a little bit of a favour here. Mm-hmm. The battery on my phone, which we're doing this call on, is uh, about to go. So while I run and get a charger, are you able to take us through your A-League team of the season? Yes, I sure can. So, okay, go. So, all right, so leading, leading off, so the my uh, A-League team of the year, at goalkeeper, Jamie Young. Uh, the, in the fence have Josh Risden, Ryan McGowan, McCoy Gillespie, and Liberto Cacace. My midfielders, Neil Kilkenny, Sandra Diamanti, and Dimi Petrados. And uh, forwards, Ulysses Davia, Jamie McLaren, and Adam LaFondra. Um, on the bench, Paul Izzo, Ryan Grant, Michael Jacobson, J- 
Josh Brillante, Riley McGree, Mitch Duke, and Bessart Brisha, and the coach the, is Steve Corica. Who is your centre back pairing Scott. then, Adam? Who is your centre back pairing then? Did you say Adam? Ryan McGowan and Macaulay Gillespie. Okay, I'll, I didn't quite go with those defenders, but I will say in goal I did have Jamie Young. I thought he was there was a good goal, good lot of goalkeepers here, but I do think Jamie Young was the best of them in my view. I have Rahai and Grant at right back. I went with Alex Wilkinson and Steve Taylor as a central defensive pairing. I think just Alex Wilkinson is one of these players who, as great as he's been, has been a bit underrated overall in terms of the A-League. He's won so much. So him and Steven Taylor, my centre-back pairing. I went with Kakachi at left-back as well. I thought he was the absolute standout there. I went with Josh Berlante as a holding midfield player for Melbourne City. I thought he was a real key to them. Actually, instead of just being a pretender team, to actually going on to making the grand final, he was a big part of that. Alessandro Diamante's class doesn't need to be spoken about. Riley McGree had a really good season for Adelaide. In front three, I had De Villa, Jamie McLaren and LaFondra. I just thought they were... De Villa's impact for Wellington was massive and the other two's goals you can't ignore. Bench, I had Redmayne. I had Tom Aldred on the bench. I thought he made a big difference for the Raw. I don't think they would have been as successful defensively if he wasn't in there. So I went with him. Matt Miller for Newcastle was a massive addition for them. I thought he was a good fullback. Luke Bratton, Milos Dinkovic, Max Burgess. I was... Thinking is it Burgess or Castro for the bench? I went with Burgess. I thought he had a, more of an impact for Western United. And then the great man, Bessart Baruchio, on the bench as a, the striker. And I went with Ulfric Talley as the coach of the year, James, because I just thought a, a lot was expected of Sydney FC with Steve Corricker, as good as he has been. But I think all three of us picked Wellington to finish last. And there was a reason for that, given the players that they had leaving. And I thought Ulfric Talley was an, did an amazing job from taking that Wellington side back to the finals once again. Unfortunately, they didn't win a final, but they got there again, so I thought he was the coach of the year. Yeah, there's a lot to like, and I completely agree with all of those picks that I listened to intently. <laughs> but, but yeah, they, I think, yeah, that Wellington were definitely the biggest surprise because they did well under uh, Mark Rudan the season prior, but nobody could have seen them like continuing this, especially considering the way that not only did the coach leave, but that staff was gutted. And... Yeah, I. For better just one less, of that team left, didn't it? You think Curto left, Durante left, David Williams yeah. left. It was just. Yeah, and there's just so much like to be impressed about with that, like with that uh, performance and the resilience that they had to not only like continue on in their um, path this season, but yeah. And I will say, when we when we saw them play against Brisbane Strikers in the FFA Cup round of 32, I don't think any of us thought they would have been making the top six based on their showing that night. So I it was a great not so them. nice things to say about David Ball. <laughs> you weren't the only one. <laughs> but yeah, so overall, that was, I would say, a fairly successful season for Wellington as well. But this is the Brisbane Football Review. We probably should get back onto the Raw and I'm just trying to find the run sheet here on my computer. I'm totally prepared for this if you can't tell. We can tell. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, yeah, I, I do think, like, the team of the season is largely unanimous. Um, but now we're going to go back to a raw focus and run through some of the stats and plays that you've compiled for us, Scott. And uh, we had 28 players used in this raw season. Is that all competitions? Yes. Okay. All competitive so, games. 16 players uh, made their Brisbane Raw debuts, two more than last year and the most since 05-06 for when you turn over about two-thirds of your A-League squad. I suppose that number is inevitable. Um, yeah, yeah. Neville Aldred, Macaulay Gillespie, Jake McGing, 
Court, Jordan, Courtney, Perkins, O'Shea, Inman, O'Donovan, Mels, O'Neill, Crockham, Amadi Holloway, Muradovic, McDonald, Rydenton, and Kim. Now, I'm just running through those uh, names as well, and I'm just trying to pick how many players made their actual A-League uh, debuts or, or their professional debuts for the Raw this year. And correct me if I'm wrong here, so you've got Courtney Perkins, uh, you've got Muradovic, and Kim. Yeah, that would be correct, yeah. No, that would be the players who made their professional debuts this season, yeah. Yeah. Um, Twelve different uh, players scored a goal. Roy O'Donovan and Scott McDonald led the way with seven and six, respectively, which is to be expected uh, with such a low total when both of them only played half a season for the Raw, but that may raise other questions that we'll have to get to going forward. Uh, It is the second lowest top goal scorer tally for the Raw of all time, though, so that shows you that... It might be an area of improvement. Yes. Well, I do do think McDonald would have scored more if he had been here for a full season. I think if McDonald was here for a full season, he easily would have scored 12 or 13. Yeah. Um, You can can tell that, you know, Roy Donovan into uh, Scott McDonald, which is the two sort of, you know, number nines away, 13 combined. So, you know, that's sort of, that sort of, you know, sums up where, you know, a top striker in the league probably should be aiming for as far as they're considering that the Raw barely scored 30 goals in attack this season. Um, yeah, that's probably where the most goals came from. And the stat that actually makes me the happiest about all of this, uh, as the home team, which I think they were for... I'm not sure how many home games they actually missed out on uh, on the run home. I think two. It was a, it's two. two. Okay. So... Overall, they played 13, won seven, drew three, and lost three as a home side. I know the Sydney FC game down in Sydney um, in August was meant to be a raw home game. What was the other one? Oh, it was this. I think it was um. What were the games they played down in the hub? It was a vict- victory was an away yeah, game. Adelaide. That, that, that was, was a, a that, that was a home game anyway. It was on the Gold Coast. That Christ. was a loss. So that might have been two, the other one. Seven two and two at Suncorp then, yeah. or Suncorp slash Dolphin, which. As a home record, is everything you could ask for for a side. Yeah, it is. It's top four form away at home. The away form wasn't too bad either, James. But the home form this year was much improved. And I do, I do think um, that was probably one of the big improvement areas that was required because last year they were weren't that good at home. It was 12 more points picked up at home this year than last year. That's a big improvement. Yeah, look, we were guaranteed to see goals at Suncorp Stadium in 18-19. They just might have been going in the wrong net, despite the efforts of Jamie Young. Yeah, look, um, exactly. And, that, and that's, again, we, and we touched on it earlier, is that, you know, the defensive got a lot better. So, and maybe it may be sacrificing attack in, in a way. But, um, yeah, look, overall, it's just it was just a better season. It was a, a, just a better organised team. Yeah, exactly. And they, and that's quite good as well. And the home four, or the away four, I beg pardon. Yeah, four, four, and five. Um, only a minus four goal difference. And 10 more points than 18-19. So, if you can't be happy with the improvement that this raw side has shown, then I'm not quite sure what you, your realistic expectations are there. That's all I'm going to leave. It it's at. also it's also funny as well that considering that they that neg that negative the, the uh, negative four was in one game, um, I think it's actually oh, yeah. a pretty good effort. That's actually that's a yeah. very good point, Adam. Well done. I don't mean in one half as well. I think fair as well. Yeah, that, actually, yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I. Do know you're quite big on this as well, Scott. So we will touch briefly on discipline. 50 yellow cards, one red card. Um, when I did see this stat pop up, I actually couldn't remember off the top of my head when said red card occurred. But 
According to you, it is round 17 against Sydney FC. Yeah, it was a bogus red card. It was one that I think most people looked at and thought that's really harsh to give against Scott Neville. It might have been VAR involved. I think it was a second yellow card, something like a handball in the box or something like that. It was some some really harsh decision in a penalty area that was given against Scott Neville. But it was much improved this year, wasn't it? And it was it was it's important because you've got to have your best players available, and that that showed at the end of the season. The Raw were walking the tightrope at the end with Tom Aldred in the final game. He managed to get through not suspended for the final series. That's that's the sort of thing you want to see happening. It was a much improved discipline, and I do think that red card was really harsh on Scott Neville, but it was the only one of the season, so we had to talk about it. Yep, fair enough. All right, let's move into what will probably be the longest part of the entire show, which is our annual squad recap. Now, we do know this does tend to drag on, so we're going to try and keep this as short and sharp as possible. I'm looking at you, Scott. Yeah, okay. But, um, yeah, so we do want to give every player their due attention, whether they're still with the club or not. Uh, so we will uh, start – we'll go through in uh, terms of shirt numbers. So that means, number one, we've got to start with uh, Max Crockham, which I believe yeah. is yours, Adam. Yeah, look, um, it's a start off well. It looked like he actually had won the um, – it seemed to be a shootout at the start of the season as far as who was going to be the number one, um, Crockham or um, Jamie Young. He actually looked like he had won it. And, and um, obviously there was the, the clean sheet against uh, Western Sydney Wanderers, which in that god-awful game. Um, but um, It was a clean sheet. I think we were all just happy with that at that point. <laughs> exactly. But, um, yeah, then – but then, so if he lost the spot, Jamie Young, and look, as we as we're saying at the other end, you know, we're we're praising Jamie Young as far as you know, potentially you know a player of the season job. So unfortunately, um, Crockham was um destined to the bench, but at least he's obviously a decent, reliable backup if it was needed. Yeah, and that's it. Crockham's one of those players that, for me, I don't think he necessarily did anything wrong to warrant losing his job, but unfortunately for him, Jamie Young is just a very, very good option and possibly the best goalkeeper in the entire A-League. You can make that case. And, yeah, unfortunately for him, I feel like he would probably be starting for half the clubs in the A-League just without knowing off the top of my head who the rest of the goalkeepers are. There's certainly a few clubs he would have started for, that's for sure. Definitely. Okay, let's move on. Scott Neville, he warrants quite a bit of attention because I I was admittedly quite sceptical. I thought he was mainly signed as uh, early season cover cover for Jack Hingett when he was recovering from his uh, ACL injury, but he turned out, to be, turned out to be one of the more solid, if not spectacular options. Uh, two goals, both off corners, and an ever-present figure for the Raw's uh, defensive stocks and eventually settled into that right-sided centre-back role very, very effectively. Yeah, he may he helped make that system work as the right-sided centre-back, getting forward a lot as well on that right-hand side as well. So he was a, a really important cog to the side. I think we all looked at it and thought he might be more of a backup option when he arrived, James, to your point. But he made that right side of the centre-back spot in the back three his own, and he had a very, very solid A-League season for the Raw this year. And to your point, he was a very he was a dangerous threat at set pieces. To your point, scored two goals. He could have had a couple more as well. He he had a very fine season for the Brisbane Raw. Yeah, it's just um, yeah, like I say, you, you get you get what you get with um, Scott Neville. Obviously, you know he been been with a number of clubs, and look, it was just, it was a very very solid and what what you expect from a player of his caliber. Um, so so yeah, like I'm, I'm glad that it did work out. And um, he, yes, as you said, he was vital to that that um, the three at the back um, scheme working. Yeah, so look, it was it was a signing that you know. 
whoever was responsible for it, whether it was Robbie Fowler, whether, whether it was someone else in the football department, deserves a lot of credit for because he came in and did the job that he was asked to do quite well. Now, I'm not, I don't think you can really come in and expect him to play Batman next season, but <laughs> I think he's going to be a very effective Robin. Yeah, could be. And I, He'll be I important mean, part of the squad yeah. either way. Exactly. There's no doubt about that, particularly All if they right. keep the same shape. Definitely. Okay. Uh, Corey Brown returned from victory mid-season. So I think I know I went from heckling him on that game on what was my birthday, October 25th, to saying, oh, what a great signing. Don't we love having him back? You were certainly heckling him. I, I do know that. But I, oh, I, yeah. look, he, he look he filled a hole. I, I, Conroe Tool left. We'll talk about him later on. They had a hole on that left-hand side that hadn't quite been filled. And Corey Brown came back to the club and he... He did a serviceable job, let's say, James, in terms of filling that role. It might not have been absolutely fantastic like we saw on the right-hand side with Jack Hingott, but on the left-hand side, he provided a solid option. And I think he he helped, He almost fit the system because this new system that we're playing allows him to have slightly less defensive responsibility with cover of an extra centre-back, allowed him to get four more. And we saw that. And I think, I think if he hangs around next season, I think he could really grow into that role quite nicely. Absolutely. And, yeah... It, and look, I, I know there was a lot of scepticism about him coming back um, to the Raw, but I do know like there would be people in the football department that have worked with him before. Obviously, remember his first team with the club and played a big role mentoring him. And it's clear to see what they saw in his return. Again, he's another one of those players that if he's your player of the year, I think he can be a little bit concerned. But if he's one of the you know supporting cast, the secondary sort of players, I think he's really well suited to that role. Well, he was a former um, you know, player of the year for the Raw, so Gary Wilkins medalist, so... I know, I know. That's what I, <laughs> that's what I had in mind. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure at this point you want him to be, you know, contending for the Gary Wilkins medal, but he, I do feel like if he continues to fill that role, he's probably going to be one of those guys at this time next year who are saying... He was actually quite a lot more important and did a lot more than you probably get credit for. And the those that were, you know, blasting that signing, I think they might have been put in their place. Yeah, okay. You were put back into your place. It was good. Yeah, well. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. Number four, Daniel Bowles. He only made, is it nine appearances, three off the bench? No, it's just total. I can buy yeah. it for you. Yeah, so nine appearances with three off the bench. And, um, yeah, he's actually pulled the plug on his A-League career, which was, you know, good to see. I'm going to have to go and uh, test out his cafe in New Farm at some point now. But I think Daniel Balls has got to be one of the success stories of the A-League for me because I'm not sure he ever really was good enough to play at a higher level in the A-League, but he certainly made quite a good career out of it and looks like he's pretty well set for basing himself in Brisbane. Yeah, look, that's and like I said, not not everyone's going to be a superstar in this league or any league. Um, you need you need players like Daniel Bowles, and you know he he, he had a very very good um, professional career. And um, as you said, you know not only that, and I think he knew that because obviously he he set he set himself up you know for life after football, and he believes now the time now's the time to do that. So you know, look, as as we've said on a number of occasions, you know, we wish him well and all the best. You know, as you know, retiring as a Brisbane Raw player, and as I've said quite often throughout the season, Daniel Bowles is in this system, you know, with the way the rule played this year, he is the perfect third choice center back. He's the guy that you really need to, um, he's the guy that you'll need to, you know, come in and plug a hole for a few weeks. And if you need him to come in and 
you know, play for six, seven games in a row to cover for injury or whatnot, he can do that as well. And I keep going back to a couple of conversations that we had with Mark Kingsman when he was uh, with the Raw. And he was saying, you're not going to have 23 superstars in your A-League squad. You do need these sorts of guys like Daniel Bowles and uh, Jacob Pepper, who we're going to talk about soon, who, you know, they're, they're just there. Like, they're, they're filling out the depth. They know their job and they can come in and do something for you in limited capacity. So best of luck to Daniel. Looking forward to seeing what the future holds for him and his family, and it's been fun watching him over the last few years. And I'm going to head down to that cafe soon. Yes, definitely. Uh, who's the nearest NPL club to New Farm? Strikers. I guess so. There you go. All right. Unless, unless you want to go see New Farm United in Capital... I want to say Capital 2. Okay. I'll, I'll Any, but anyway... That. <laughs> All right, now on to the captain, Tom Aldred, who I just want to point this out as well. This is going to be a massive tangent, but have you guys seen the first Deadpool movie? No. No. Oh. Okay, well, if you're listening, <laughs> there was, I saw a photo of Tom Aldred in uh, re-preseason training back in June where he looked exactly like the actor that plays the villain in that. So if he comes back, I want to start calling him Ajax slash Francis. So well, if, you if he, can. Yeah. I'll call him I'll, Tom. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Aldred, sir. <laughs> yeah, either way. I think... Anyway, he came in and had a very good first season with the Raw, led the team quite well, and I think his impact was, again, probably measured more in terms of the way that he kept everything tight and intact and was able to marshal that back line and keep everything fairly tight at the back. Scott? You mentioned marshalling the back line. Every, defend, every good team has a defender who does that job. And for the Brisbane Raw, that was Tom Aldrin. He was absolutely fantastic in that role. He obviously had Scott Neville and Macaulay Gillespie, who we'll talk about in a moment, working alongside him for the majority of the season. And that was actually a really settled back three, which I think was important. I thought Tom Aldrin, as I, I had him in the team of the year, because I thought his, the marshalling of that defence and the improvements to the defence that he helped oversee I think was really, really important to the Raw this season. I thought he had a really good season for the Raw. I think there was some people questioning oh, how good could a player be who had been playing in League Two and in the Scottish Premier League, but he's came in and he's shown that he had a he could make a massive impact, and he did. I thought he was really good. And he got his goal as well, another set-piece goal. I think it was at home to Western Sydney from memory, but it was one of those last-home games. Adelaide. Adelaide, I beg your pardon. He, he got his goal, which was deserved. I thought he had a really good season, Tom Aldridge. I wasn't even at that game. How do I remember it better than you? <laughs> I can't remember what happened yesterday, so you got better memory than me. That's go. why I keep stats, so I can remember these things down the line. Adam, what do you have to say about Aldridge? Yeah, look, um, I'll cast my mind back all the way to the um, to season preview. I sort of said that, you know, the, the success of the Raw this season would hinge on, you know, how Tom Aldred, um, you know, performed, um, how, how he marshaled the back line, you know, and we knew at the time that the fence was going to be a problem. And look, it, it comes down simply, it comes down simply to, um, you go from there from 72 to 30 goals. I think it's in large part uh, due to Tom Aldred. Definitely. And another player that it is in large part too is uh, number six, Macaulay Gillespie, who I admit, I saw him in that preseason friendly against Peninsula Power that we were at. And, I thought there was every chance he was going to get benched before Christmas. I was not impressed. And I can happily say I was very, very wrong. He grew into one of the most crucial players for the Raw. And I think was probably the best player for the side in that last month of the season. Yeah, Macaulay Gillespie's trajectory as a season was like a lot of Visa players when they enter the country. It takes them a while to get up to speed with the pace of the league, the difference of the ground surfaces and all the rest of it. But, 
by the time it got back Christmas and the Raw had that positive run from January to lockdown, I thought that was when Macaulay Gillespie started to show his best football. And by the end of the season, you're right, he was he was amongst the best players week in, week out. He's He certainly proved your prediction wrong. I didn't say that on the preseason show like you did, but I certainly agree with you. He didn't have a great day at AJ Kelly Park against Peninsula Power, but I think he improved. And I think he helped, again, those those left side and right side of centre backs in a back three are specialist positions to me. And I think they had, they're really tough places to recruit. And I thought Macaulay Gillespie filled that left sided role really well. And I think, he, I think he'll be here next year, of course, and that he'll be an important part next year as well. Absolutely. Whatever the system is, I think he's going to be very crucial for the Raw going forward because he's still quite young as well, isn't he, Adam? He is. He's 23, 24. Yeah, look, um, exactly. I think, again, I think you put it down to, um, yeah, Visa player finding his feet. And uh, when, and obviously when he did actually find what, what we expect of him, you know, he was quite handy. Like, as I said, I, I thought he had a great season. I, I had him in my... Um, my team of the year because I think again um, he made a him and Aldred made a remarkable difference you know as far as you know, Brisbane Royals defence and you know at the end of the day you know, more plaudits to him definitely okay so uh, now number seven Jai Ingham apparently he played for the Raw but didn't really do a whole lot of uh, memorable stuff this season though no he made a, I think it was a few I think it was about a dozen appearances off the bench from memory and look he was a squad option James he was the sort of player who you could bring something different to a front a front two option in terms of pace, but he was also more, if the Raw were going to change tack and go to a, a wing formation with a 4-3-3, he was the type of player who would come in and fill a role in that type of system. And I think I think he was used sparingly for that reason, the fact the Raw didn't play that system quite often. There almost wasn't a spot in the regular 11 for him either in any way. So I think, look, if, if he's here next year and the Raw do change to a, a 4-3-3 as Warren Moon's done in the past... He might get more playing time then. We we yeah. had high hopes for him, um, you know, because he performed well in the natural youth league, youth league but um, never really translated as far as you know the senior side. And I think that shows sort of the standard at the moment that you know, look, he's he's probably one, one of the better if he's running around in the youth league, but probably still um, a fair way away from being you know a you know, a regular professional as far as in the senior team. Yeah, uh, I I can't sum it up any better than that. So I'm going to move on to number eight, part one, Jacob Pepper. Another one of those squad players that, again, like I think did admirably considering the circumstances in 2018-19 and probably got pushed back into what is a more comfortable role for him uh, this year where he was, you know, filling a job with very limited responsibility and he just had to get in the way. And he did that before his move to Indonesia. Oh, sorry. This this is Adam. My bad. I can't. <laughs> That's all right. Um, look, squad squad play extraordinaire. Um, look, he did a job, and um, and like I said, he deserved he deserved his um his move to Indonesia, obviously for more money. I don't know if that's worked out so well given the sort of pandemic um and whatnot. I did read a report. Uh, it was mostly in Indonesian, so I know a few words about uh, apparently about the restart if there and the <laughs> about about that <laughs> a few more words, but. <laughs> But um, but yeah, but uh, look, yeah, again, there's not much more you say that you know it was always a solid option, and he sort of he deserved um to, to get a pay rise going to Indonesia. Definitely, and you know I, I can't say I know a whole lot about the standard of the Indonesian league, but I'm sure he will be quite useful over there as well. And he's one of those players that I do think like I said it when he left, but he's always ha- had a bit of a you know, rough treatment from Raw fans, I think in large part because of his time with Western Sydney and 
being put into some fairly unenviable spots as well, like having to fill in, you know, in an injury crisis and even filling in at centre-back for a while when he is, is still, by, for all intents and purposes, a midfielder. So, anyway. You think of all the roles he played for the Raw James over the over the three, four years. He filled a lot of different roles. And by the end of the time when he left, he was a starting midfielder this year. Yeah, he was exactly. starting in midfield when he left. So, And he did provide that defensive cover as well, which is very important. Um, his replacement in the number eight shirt, part two, Danny Kim, signed from Lions FC and a favourite of new Raw head coach, Warren Moon, from their time together at Lions. Made five appearances. Uh, I think you can't really make too many sweeping statements and you know say he's going to be the next big thing in the A-League, but I also don't think you can say he's got no future in the A-League based on that. He's someone that I would love to see back at the Raw next season, but he's not the sort of player that I'd necessarily want to be pinning all your midfield hopes on going forward based on those five appearances. He's going to be the next big thing in the A-League, James. <laughs> I said that toss for you, but no, you're right. he came in. He didn't look out of place is the best way you can phrase it. He looked like he'd been there for a while. He looked like he could have been there for a while. And I think if I think he should absolutely be in the A-League next season. He did absolutely nothing wrong. Obviously, we know he's gone back to Lions as part of, I assume, that was the arrangement all along. He would play the A-League season. He would go back to Lions. And hopefully, we see him in the Brisbane Royal Colours again next season. It'd be a shame not to. You can only hope. He did. He did start last night against uh, Strikers, and I tell you what, it looked like Danny Kim evolved. So I think, um, yeah, it, it would be almost a crying tragedy if if the Raw didn't pick him up, which I, I highly doubt, given given who who's the coach there. But um, but but like I said, even yeah, you know, if he didn't, if for some reason the Raw went and got a superstar, you know, defensive midfielder. Um, Look, I think that any of the other you know, 11 clubs will be would be glad to have him. So I think he's got a future in the A League. Um, hard to know, hard to know sort of what height he'll reach, but definitely, you know, def- definitely a professional for the future. Yep, absolutely, and it's good to see the Raw, you know, putting their NPL contacts to good use. And we are going to discuss some of that a little bit later in part three. Um, number nine, the Carbon Rod, Roy O'Donovan. Uh, leading goal scorer for the season after playing half a year before eventually moving on because he didn't quite mesh with the r- way that Robbie Fowler wanted the side to play. And I say, cool, good for you. That about sums it up, doesn't it? Yes, he scored some goals. Most of them were from the penalty spot. Had a big impact in the game in that 4-3 comeback and win against Melbourne City. But I think his overall contribution in terms of his all-around play wasn't what Robbie Fowler was looking for. I'm sure he said that at some point during one of the press conferences. So... It didn't work. He's gone back to Newcastle. We wish him all the best. Yep, that's it. Uh, number 10, Brad Inman, five goals. He was probably one of the best players for the Raw when they were having that January to March resurgence and scored a couple of belters as well. Yeah, um, again, even though he's an Australian-born you know, player, he, he sort of had the same trajectory as a lot of these um as a lot of these sort of imports that, you know, again, started slow trying to find his feet in the league. Um, so, and then, you know, it just, it just clicked for him. And it was almost like it, there was sort of mention that I know, in a, I think in a Robbie Fowler um, press conference that, you know, Brad Inman was, you know, he's a confidence player and he, and you know, once he actually got the confidence and, you know, broke through that goal, which was a spectacular goal against Newcastle, I do believe. Oh yeah, that was fantastic. Um, from there on, you know, he, his performances were excellent for the Raw. So, again, I think there's obviously truth in that, that, you know, he gets his confidence. Um, and, you know, like I said, and he performed well. And he definitely was um, part of that sort of that, that January, February resurgence for the Raw where they went, you know, 10 out of 12 unbeaten. 
Well, he was absolutely a key part of that because his Bradman's form, picking up his form and confidence, coincided when the Raw did get the run of form. You're right. It's a little bit like Macaulay Gillespie. Took a lot. Took a long time to get used to football back here in Australia, but when he did, he was he was amongst the Raw's best players for that period of time from January to March. I think I think he picked up a slight injury just in the second preseason, or if you want to call it, James, and saw himself on the bench. I think he he had an impact off the bench in that final against Western United as well. Just it didn't quite work out, but I thought him and had a really good season as well. Yeah, exactly. He's one of the players that I would happily have back. Yeah. Uh, if if the move overseas doesn't work out, but I he do was an interesting think... one, wasn't he? Because when you looked at it, sorry, well, when you signed, is he, where is he going to play? Is he that left wing back player? Is he a left winger? Is he a central midfielder? Is he a, is he an attacking midfielder? Everyone had a theory on where he was going to fit in, but he was a really important part of the midfield in the end. Yeah, and I will say as well, he probably. He probably did a better job in the the role that Jay O'Shea might have been earmarked for, and I think that probably might have impacted Jay O'Shea's season. We'll get into that in a little bit, but um, yeah, he's some other place I would happily have back. But I wouldn't be surprised if the cap crunch heading into next season means that the Raw do have to bid him adieu. And we will move on now to number twelve, part one, which is Aiden O'Neill. He was good uh, until the shutdown. Then he decided to, well, he didn't decide to not come back. The Raw couldn't work out a deal with Burnley to bring him back. And now he signed a three-year deal with Melbourne City. Yeah, look, uh, but I think it was always going to be a forlorn hope that you now they were going to keep him. Um, it, was, it, was either, it was either going to be his form would regress so much that you know, Burnley wouldn't have wanted him, um, which means that, you know, obviously he'd be pretty, you know, sort of underwhelming, but the fact that he played well enough to not only to get a contract extension with Burnley, who have then now in turn sold um, sold him to Melbourne City for um, a three-year deal, and I'm assuming that there would be a transfer fee involved. That obviously speaks volumes. That, you know, obviously, he did enough um, you know, as a solid option you know, in that midfield role that he, um, that, you know, he obviously earned, earned that contract. Yep, that's it. Moving on, number 12, part two, Matt Rydenton. I know I might have let out a little expletive when he was signed because I you thought... You sure did. Yep. Cause, well, especially considering you were essentially signing another player for that Danny Kim role. And I think, I know I was, and I get the feeling you two as well, were quite excited just to see what uh, the NPL product could do. But Rydenton was another one of those players that came in and certainly didn't look out of place in this raw squad uh, after the return to football. No, it was interesting. I wasn't after he got released from Newcastle. He probably thought his A-League time had almost come and gone, but he came back to came to Brisbane. Obviously, I think he was training with Lions at the time. He ended up getting called up, obviously, with Jacob Pepper and Aiden O'Neill moving on. The Raw needed midfield enforcements for the restart. He came in. He scored a good goal, actually, against Melbourne Victor, I think it was, down in yes, the hub down in, in Sydney. And he was an important part of the um, rotation for the finals campaign and the hub. So I think he, he filled a role. But I think he's, he's was he released this week? He was. He was released this week. So I think he filled a role, and I think the Aurora may be looking in a different direction now. But it's not anything to do with him. It's just I believe he still takes up a visa spot, and you need again we've talked about this before a thousand times. Visa players, you need more than just sitting on the bench. Yep, definitely. Although given uh, the way the borders are, he could be a viable <laughs> visa option for next season before we know it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on. That's right, Enton. Uh, Stefan Mork will just touch on this quickly. Uh, I know, we'll go, I'll throw to you in a second, Adam, but I yep. just want to say, like, with the Raw playing the midfield that they did, 
they probably had five or six options for those three positions. And Stefan Mork, I feel like, was just the victim of the performance crunch where he just never quite found the spot in that midfield that uh, served him the best and in the end moved on. Oh, look, I think I think his papers were marked ever since John L. Wissy left. Um, that that yeah, you know, like I said, it just it just it just wasn't um, a great time for him um, up here. It, ne- it never really worked in the end. We we know how good a player is. Yeah, he's a, he, he's, he's a soccer who's cap player. So um, it just it's just a case of you know, good player didn't work out here. Yo, um, he moved back to Adelaide, so you know, wish him well. Um, but yeah, it's one of those ones where you know you get you get them right sometimes, but you also get it wrong, and this is probably the case of the latter. Yep, that's it, and that's all you can really say about Stefan Mork. So we're going to move on to number fourteen, George Mills. Scott, ten words or less. Well, I undecided. I said three minutes played in his game in Sydney FFA Cup. It was actually twelve. You mean like Mork square peg round hole? It just didn't work. We saw him play in the youth team a couple of times, but I think it's where does he fit in going forward in, in the Raw squad? Is he a central midfielder? Is he an attacking midfielder? Where does he fit in? I'm still not quite sure where he fits in the squad. We haven't seen enough of him. Yep. Sorry, and that's slightly more than 10 words. Yeah, I wasn't going to say it, but I wouldn't be surprised if um, they if the Raw do need uh, to move on from some players. I wouldn't be surprised if Mel's is one of those guys that he's given a little bit of a nudge. Um now, I know this is uh, your turn, Adam, in the rotation, but I actually want to jump in and take Aaron Reardon myself because uh, he's been now released from the Raw after making zero appearances uh, for them this season. I think he's going to be a good pickup for whichever NPL club he winds up at. I think there's he still has plenty to offer uh, the side as well. It was a shame that he kind of found himself at the bottom of the central defender pecking order as the season uh, unfolded because I do think the... The way last season unfolded was probably held against him a little bit too much. And, yeah, it's just a shame that he didn't really seem to get a whole lot of opportunity this season. And, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. But I do hope that that, that's not something we're looking back in five years and say, you know, defender's career ruined by being put in rubbish situation. Yeah, look, I think you summed up perfectly. I think, yeah, he's, you know, realistically, you know, he's sort of, you know, a reminder of you know of that of that sort of catastrophic back into the season where you know Darren Davies as a caretaker was throwing you know just trying to blood young players and he had a couple of bad games. I, I think of you know Cameron Cristani as well that you know that faced a similar situation the previous season where had a couple of you know not so memorable moments and you never saw him again as far as you know at A League level. And I hope um and I hope that you know Aaron Reardon does sort of you know. You know, does sort of find a place elsewhere because look, he's a very, very good player. We've seen it at um at youth level. You know, he was he was very dependable, and look, um, it just wasn't the B. Yep. Okay. Uh, we will move on now to Jack Hingett, who made his return from ACL surgery, and he looked a lot better than I thought he uh, was going to coming back from the ACL injury. So it's good to see him back and involved again, and. I think he definitely loved that uh, wing-back role he had the chance to get forward. He most certainly clearly enjoyed that wing-back role getting forward a lot more. I think we all looked at Jack Hing in hopes that he would return from his ACL injury almost exactly the way it's panned out. He missed the first third of the season, obviously rehabbing and going through preseason, but when he came back, he was amongst the Raw's best players. It could have gone either way, really, if it hadn't worked out for him. The Raw did have alternatives in the, in the squad, but... Jack Hingett came back and was the player we knew before his injury, and he looks like he's going to continue to be that player going forward. It was a 
a great return from injury for Jack. And great to see him. He's a, the favourite of this show, that's for sure. Let this be a lesson to clubs out there about how you handle a player you know, who comes back from a serious injury and that having cover to give him every chance possible to let him rehab properly and get back to full fitness. Because Jack Hingard, um, you know, like I said, he had a perfect preparation coming back where not only he was given the maximum amount of time to recover, go through his rehabbing stint you know, through physio, but also was then given you know, three or four games in the youth league to really build up that confidence. And when he came back, I think it was almost he was better than what he was the previous season. So I think that that's congratulations to the high performance department. Where I know they've copped a lot of stick over the years, especially you know during you know during the Aloisi time. But that's the perfect way you um, you treat a star player. Let him have time to come back, and you'll be paid rewards. And Jack King paid the rewards in spades. Absolutely. And the one thing that I do think, like we've seen how hard he works. He you know posted about it pretty much every day on his social media. But the one thing that I do hope he, if the Raw are going to maintain this sort of 5-3-2 or whatever, or they're going to at least maintain a system that, like what we saw uh, Warren Moon have at Lions, where the fullbacks are very much involved in the attack, I think that's something that Hingard is going to look to improve over the offseason. He's attacking now, so I suppose mm-hmm. it's the way I'd describe it and say, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he works on his crossing, if he works on his passing and positioning. Because I do think that's probably the one thing that is really missing from his game. I do remember when he broke into the side in 2014, 13-14-ish. Uh, I do know, like, the general theory back then was, you know, Freinich was a much more attacking fullback option and yeah. Hingit was the much more solid defensive one. You'd like to think that Hingit can now take this sort of next step and build his game up and become a much more heavily involved attacker. Okay. He certainly uh, gets now, forward a lot more than he has in seasons past. With the system you're pointing out, he's been asked to get forward a lot more. Yeah. That's I, just, I just saw I just saw him run, you know, run and dribble more in in, in attack. We've seen it. We've seen it a couple of times, and we even saw it. You know, we're talking about in the youth league as well. Obviously, against less experienced defenders, he really, he really sort of had that, you know, when he, when he runs the ball and runs that goal. Now, he's actually, you know, quite elusive. And, you know, obviously he may not have the confidence to do that at the top level. But if that's something he works on the off-season, look, I think that's, you're right. I think attacking-wise, it's the only thing he needs to improve. And I think he'll be, you know, the perfect right back. Definitely. For this level. Oh, and in this system as well. Okay, moving on. Aaron Amati Holloway. Now, he's still a little bit of an enigma because he was mostly limited to super sub-appearances. But he didn't really seem to be given a whole lot of opportunity to let loose and try and take over a game the way that a lot of us would have hoped for. The only point I will make about him as well, the preseason observation I got 100% right. I have zero interest in standing next to him because he is a big, big man. (laughs) And for the sake of my ego, I really don't want to be right next to him. He's a big man compared to me, and I'm I'm six foot three. So, (laughs) Um, yeah, look... um, I just think yeah, with Aaron Marty Holloway, I just think it might be a case of that, you know, he was brought in for a purpose, but then that purpose shifted because I just think um, the A-League, I think for a lot of flack at cops as far as what type of league is and the skill of the league, I just don't think Route 1 football works, you know, that well in this league. I think you know, the, the, the centre-backs across the league are a lot bigger, a lot more physical, and they're a lot more awake to even, you know, Holloway, you know, the size of him and his presence. He has got a bit of skill about him as well with his feet, but I just, 
Yeah, I, I also actually honestly think if he sticks around, I actually think yeah, where he might actually prove difference might be in the Champions League against some of those smaller, you know, less physical Asian teams. Because, um, but I think in the A League, it's um, it's a case of you know he was brought in for a purpose, and he may need to have to reinvent himself if he's going to continue to be you know to add to the raw next season. Yeah, Adam summed that up perfectly. I'll make two quick points. One, James, you're interviewing Adam and Matty Holloway in preseason next year if you're still here. And secondly, I'll. In person. On, and secondly, I will say, I think Get he had a lot, of in, a lot of injury issues, particularly at the start of the season. He missed the FFA Cup and a lot of the pre-season with injury. I think he had another injury throughout the season as well. So there might be some mitigating circumstances there in relation to injury, which might have prevented him being exactly what he could have been. Yep, that's it. Um, Jamie Young, well, there's not much you can't say about him that we haven't already said. Phenomenal keeper. Um great guy like one we're very happy to talk to at any point in time and i i don't want him to go anywhere he's a great interview too jamie i can tell you that much but mm. i'll just sum it up with what i tweeted i think back in march ago again the melbourne city game he's well on his way to a third straight gary wilkins medal yeah. he was he to me he was the rules player once again he made some unbelievable saves back to his absolute best this year and i think he just he was the best keeper in the league adam and i both had him in the in our team of the year i would be Shocked and disappointed if he's not named goalkeeper of the year at the awards night tonight. But I just think he was the Raw's best player this year, back to his absolute best, and it's great to see him doing so. Yep, agree with Scott. Three Pete for the Gary Wilkins medal for Jamie Young. Just couldn't really think of anyone else that could win that, to be honest. I think it's. I think if you're really looking to make it a competition, it's basically down to him and Aldred. That that's the only other contender. Oh, I can Scott really McDonald, Jack Hingett probably in there, but I, I think Jamie Young across the season, I think, has just been consistent. Yep, definitely. Uh, Jake McGing, limited impact, got his chance and didn't really take it, and he's now released. Uh, yeah, I will say, he, I think he was. his papers were almost marked in that 4-3 game against Melbourne City where he was subbed off in about after about half an hour, and it was not injury-related from memory. He was probably brought in as the alternate to Hingit. He didn't take his chance when he had it. Hingit came in and never gave him a look in. Yep. The rumor, and, the rumor is he's off to uh, MacArthur, but with them solving Ivan Franic, um, yeah, that may... You never know. <laughs> well, the one thing I will say is, well, with a couple of these guys like Jake McGing and George Mells, I do, and even to a lesser extent, Amadi Holloway, I do wonder, just looking back at the recruitment now, I still wonder if Fowler said, okay, I need to recruit for about three or four different styles of play, and I'm just going to see what worked. And that's the only thing that I could probably say to him, like say about those three guys is, you know, if route one was going to work, then Amadi Holloway is going to be there and, kind of similar for McGing as well, where he was brought in for a certain incident. And yeah, I don't know. That's just the way I kind of, I think, I think as you say with McGing, Mel's and a few others is that I think when you, when the coach comes in with a mandate of a clean slate and basically, you know, puts his identity, you know, still find his identity with the club. Um, generally, you could, it's almost a scattergun approach as far as your recruitment goes. I think this might have been one that definitely sort of, you know, fits that bill. So it's not his fault. Um, it just it didn't work out. And, you know, with the way that we know that Warren Moon plays, uh, it definitely wasn't going to turn out well. And, and look for him, he was, he was released last week. He's not a fullback who gets forward enough for Warren Moon. Yep, that's it. Okay, uh, 23, Dylan Wenzel-Halls, two goals in 21 appearances. They had that stunner against Wellington in the rain, which produced possibly the best photo of the last six years uh, for the Raw, I think. With him well, no, it, knocked off, it knocked off our Orange Sunday photo off our Facebook page. That's how good it was. 
And that's yeah. been there I, for how long, Scott? That's been there on and off since probably 2012. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, but it was just an unbelievable photo as well. So credit to whoever took it, which I think might have been Andrew Hudson. Or yeah, I Riley. think he... Riley Basin was on the was on the sideline that day with a camera, but I think it was Andrew Hudson. Okay, well we'll give we'll give him credit then, but uh, happy to be corrected on that. He had a good season though, Wenzel Halls, didn't he? In terms of <laughs> started off on the bench, but particularly post lockdown, James, he was a really important part of the side, making runs in behind. Probably a better partner for McDonald in terms of the way they want to play. But I thought he had another good season. It was important building on it, wasn't it? Because he broke into the side last year, but he had to build on his progress. I think he did that this year. Exactly. And he did have a little bit of uh, second season blues, I thought, uh, especially early on, because like the way that he did kind of make a name for himself in the A-League uh, in his debut season um, a year ago, he was a, I did think he was marked a little bit more closely, and I think he probably struggled a little bit with the more physical attention that he was starting to get. He didn't you know, get a chance to ruffle behind Grant's mullet, but he did score a very good goal <laughs> against Sydney FC. And I'm still waiting for him to have that jump where the light bulb goes off and he says, like, and he does add that extra layer to his game. But there, there wasn't a whole lot to complain about for his performance this season as well. So that that's kind of how I'd sum up Wenzel Halls. Look, I think with Darn Dylan Wenzel Halls, I think um, it feels like a bit, of a, a bit of a letdown season for him, but I think it's not because of him. I think it's more of the expectations of the fans. He is he is a vastly popular player. You 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 talk to the raw fan base. Um, you probably go go Jamie Young, Jack Hingott, and Dylan Wenzel Hall's in is in that uh, in that holy trinity. And um, but I think um, for a player in his second season, like you're right, I think he did suffer a bit from second year's second year blues. Um, but I think on all, I think it was actually a solid season for him. I think he's learning as a professional and um, look, I think what he does next season, I think will determine where he goes from here. Definitely. I think he, right now he's still got that range where he could, you know, go on to uh, higher levels of football. He could be a career A-League player or he could be one of those fringe A-League squaddies and how he develops over this off season is probably going to have a big role in that. But I think we're all in that same sort of boat of hoping for the best, even if it, although, you know, worst case is he goes back to the NPL and scores an absolute stunner to win another grand final. We've seen that before. Mm, exactly. That's, that's what, yes. That's good. Uh, uh, speaking of, I think that was actually our best rating best of when we were trying to fill out the season, <laughs> the uh, recapping the Western Pride grand final win out of Briggs Road on that chilly, chilly night. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, 24, Conor O'Toole, just quickly on him, Scott. Any I'll thoughts? give you 10 words or less. Look, he was he got his chance earlier in the year. He wasn't the fullback option that the, that the coaching staff wanted, so he was moved on. And Corey Brown came in and filled that spot. Yep. Okay, 25, Ramad Akbari. Adam, thoughts on him? Uh, look, similar similar to sort of, you know, most of these young players, you know, they, they come they come through sort of, you know, with a lot of promise. They just need to find it. He needs to find his feet. Um, he needs to find his identity. He did come back from Melbourne victory. Um, I'm sure that's a, a, a important part of his education. Um, but I think, yeah, more time, I think, you know, to selling life as, you know, as an A-League player. So, look, it's it's an incomplete for, for me as far as the season goes. And we'll see what happens in the future. Yep, he's one of those guys that you're really going to watch in the preseason matches that the Raw play, if you can watch them. And I hope that they do let people into those uh, games, as long as it's safe to do so and all that. But um, yeah, he's one of those guys that I feel like could make that step into being that 
you know, fourth, fourth out of three uh, midfield option. Um, now, I wanted to uh, spend a bit of time on Jay O'Shea as well, because I feel like this is going to cause a little bit of debate. Now, I'm going to lead off before I go to you, Scott, because I know okay. you, That's fine. you weren't a big fan of his performance this season. I'll explain it in a minute. Yeah. My problem with my thoughts on O'Shea, I thought he was pretty good. I thought he was okay. I thoroughly disagreed with the Optostats having him in the team of the season. I thought they really overrated his thing, and it shows why football isn't just a pure numbers game like, say, baseball is. But I don't think he was as dreadful as you thought he was, Scott. I didn't think he was dreadful. I just thought as the key creative fulcrum of the side, you just needed to see a bit more from him. I think I thought he was... I think, again, he's one of these players who floated between being part of the midfield two and the number 10 role. I think he was actually better when they moved him back into a number eight or a number six role, depending on which way you want to look at it. But I thought he was better in that role. I just think in terms of a creative fulcrum, the role were lacking something in the front third for me. And I just think if... Maybe he needs another creative partner in there alongside of him to help create opportunities. But I just felt... They weren't, the Raw weren't creative enough for me this season. I, I just think he was the player who you looked at to bring that to them. I think he's going to be here again next year, so hopefully he can improve. He might be another one who who is taking a bit longer to adapt to Australian football, but I just I was just looking for a little bit more from him. Okay, my two explanations for that, and you can agree or disagree with these. One, I think the, uh, the use of uh, Brad Inman really did throw him off as well because I think it probably knocked him out of his preferred uh, spot, having... I think he and Inman kind of crowded himself out the way that we've seen Aaron Moy and Tom Rogic do so for the Socceroos, where they kind of cancel each other out. Um, and also as well, I kind of think he he didn't have that right sort of striker in front of him. I mentioned this during the elimination final. If you put uh, if you put a Bessart Barisha in front of him, if you put one of the true top-notch A-League strikers in front of him, how many of those chances created suddenly turn into assists? So that's my... Not excuse, or, but it's, it's a defense of what has been a good but not as good as build season for Jay O'Shea. Yeah, look, I, I look at it in two parts, how, how to assess Jay O'Shea's season. I think as a player, as just, a, just in isolation as a player's performance and his contribution to the Raw, I think he had a good season. I think he, he created a lot of chance, by far the most most uh, for, the, for the Raw. But when you look at him, at like when he first was signed, he was signed as your, you know, your creative playmaker that he failed. But, and the, the, the putting the proof in the pudding is simply um, when you, when you score only 30 goals in a season, so you're scoring less than two goals a game. Obviously it, there's something either he's not going to take the, the chance himself and maybe he's trying to create too many chances for others and rather than being, you know, being too selfless. Um, so I think it's something that he needs to adapt to, work towards. But look, overall, I think he had a good season. I'm 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 certainly not as down on him as far as there are, other than what he was advertised to be. He didn't live up to that. But I still think he had a very, very productive season for Raw. And look, I'm uh, looking forward to what he does next season. And also, and also, just on that point as well, just to follow up one last thought before we move on. Um, with Jay O'Shea as well, You've also got to remember just how committed to defending the bulk of this raw side was. It's not like he had five or six options to go and pass to. He always had, like, he basically only had, you know, O'Donovan and, or O'Donovan slash McDonald and whoever the second striker was in front of him. He didn't necessarily have, you know, two wingers on either side, 
And I do wonder if you might, uh, if you wind up seeing him playing that sort of Sean Carlos role, uh, like we saw last year mm. for Lions, that could be something yep. that is much better suited to his skill set. So that's the way I'll sum it up, and we will leave it at that for Jay O'Shea because I do think we could probably. Can I say one more 20... thing? I do think that yes. when he moved back into the midfield in that midfield too, the assist you have for Dylan Wenzel Hall from a deeper position, picking up the ball, looking forward and playing it forward, I think he was better in that deeper role, James. So if he if he does stay next year, I hope he's in that deeper role because I think that's where he can have the most impact. Yes, that's it. Okay, Adam, uh, back-to-back, Kai Truen yep. and Isaac Powell. What do you think of them? Uh, both players with uh, a lot of uh, potential. Kai Truen especially. Obviously, uh, Warren Moon has a high regard for him because he did come on you know, fairly early on in the second half in that um, elimination final. So obviously, he's someone who not only we, we've known him as a, def- a centre-back defender, but obviously Warren Moon sees him as more of a defensive midfielder. So um, I'm very, very interested to see how that plays out next season. Isaac Powell, look, it's hard to remember. He's still, he's only, no, just over 18. Um, but he's, oh, he's had... depressing for me. Yeah, and but he's, he's, he's played, no, no, a dozen games at A-League level now. So, uh, look, again, he's probably still, to be honest, he's still, you know, away from being, a long way away from being, you know, a regular starter for the Raw. But, you know what, having a prospect like that in your system, it's, it's only a good thing. So, you know, It'll be good to see what happens in the next couple of years with um, it being obviously being an Australian under-17 um, you know, representative. Yes, that's it. And, uh, Scott, over to you on another young defensive prospect. The Raw seem to have plenty of those. Uh, Jordan Courtney Perkins. They do, and Jordan Courtney Perkins might have been the most accomplished this season. He came out of nowhere to play in the FFA Cup game against Sydney FC. He was in that first part of the season, James. He was a revelation, wasn't he? He was a player that none of us saw coming in terms of being involved in the A-League this season, but he was. I think he picked up a knee injury, which saw him miss the bulk mm. of the season, unfortunately for him. But he's another really versatile defensive option. We've seen him play. Robbie Fowler played him as a left wing back when he was involved, but I think he's more long-term going to be a centre-back. So it'll be interesting to see if and when he makes that transition into the back three. But he had a breakthrough season. I think he, he's going to be a big part of the future for the Brisbane Raw if he stays in the A-League. Definitely a product of uh, Warren Moon's former Jobbis Churchy uh, first 11 coach. And they do also have Jackson Simpkin, who I saw yep. up close and personal uh, calling Ipswich grammar against Churchy a couple of weeks ago as well. So, yeah. They're, we saw him up close and personal Sunday. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, anyway, uh, Mirza Maradovic, we'll touch on him quickly. Um, yeah, broke, on, broke onto the scene as part of that raw resurgence in 2020. But um, kind of fell off after lockdown. What happened, Scott? Well, he, we'll talk about the positive first. Is He broke onto the scene after a really good 12 months in the NPL initially and then in the Youth League where he was scoring goals for fun. He well and truly earned his opportunity in terms of getting into the A-League side. I thought he took it really well. And I think, if you remember back, James, we were talking about this on one of the shows after lockdown when Warren Moon actually was asked about Mirza Muradovic and why he wasn't playing. There's obviously something in his game that Warren Moon wants him to improve upon. We're not exactly sure what it is, but there's something he needs to improve upon. He's a young player, James. That's a natural thing. Obviously, players develop over time, and he's a young player, so there's got plenty of development left in him. And it's not something we haven't seen before either. We've seen young players get their chance, James, and then drop out of the side to improve upon certain things. I think there's something he needs to improve upon in Warren Warren Moon's eyes, but I thought he had made a big impact when he came in. You think about those back-to-back games where he scored against, I think it was was Adelaide and um, Western United back-to-back scoring goals. I think, he, right. I think he made a big impact in those games. And 
He certainly showed he's got a future in the A-League. Absolutely. All right. Um, Adam, anything to add on Muradovic? Um, I just think he might have fallen down the pecking order a little bit as far as um, sort of the, the number one strike option. But again, like a lot of these young players, um, look, it, they just go by their time, um, sort of, you know, and develop the game. And not, and if they can prove to be a difference, obviously they got to take their opportunities when they're given them. Yep. Okay. And uh, we're going to stick with you, Adam. Macklin Freak, stick around as he third choice or possibly backup goalkeeper if uh, Max Crocker moves on. I think uh, I think Bear, what what Crockham does will depend on what Macken Freak does. I think. Look, we, we've seen him for years. You know, you know, he's obviously you know the heir apparent to to Jamie Young. I think that's sort of how he's been positioned. You know, and you know, if he does stick around, I think yeah, eventually you know he will he will probably be you know, on the bench for a bit longer while Jamie Young sort of sees out his years, which could be. Could be a number of years. Goalkeepers do have a very, very long shelf life, especially the good ones. So uh, I think for him, it's patience. He may, but he then again, he may need to go elsewhere to get opportunities. So I think um, there's a lot of considerations as far as him goes. But look, wherever he goes, whatever he does, you know, we we know he is a very, very talented goalkeeper. He's probably one of the best young keepers in the country. Absolutely. And uh, Scott, we'll go back to you for our final player, number seventy-seven. Scott McDonald, um, we've spoken about him quite a lot, so we'll, we'll try not to drone on here because we have been doing the player recap for 45 minutes. I was going to say, it feels like we've talk, spoken about 77 players. It's been going for a while, but he, he made a massive impact, didn't he? I think the Raw may not have made the top six changes if Scott McDonald hadn't have come in and helped solve those striker issues. He was Some of the goals he scored in that up front were absolutely outstanding. I think back to one of the goals he scored, I think it was against Wellington down in Newcastle in the hub. It was just an absolutely unbelievable bit of skill. He adds experience to that front third. Obviously, we've got Dylan Wenzel-Halls and Muradovic at the other end of the age spectrum, so he needs some experience up there. I think he's been a really good player acquisition for the Raw, both in terms of what he's brought on the field and also what he can teach Muradovic and Wenzel-Halls. So I think he's been a really useful addition. I'm sure he's going to be an equally useful player next year. Definitely. And also, uh, he's doing his coaching license as well, so we can hope that he can uh, pass on some Words of we or continue to pass on words of wisdom to the likes of Muradovic and Wenzel Halls. Yeah, um, look, you know, he was probably the, the best player of the second half season. A, you know, a genius signing, um, you know, from Western United. And look, he's he's made um, he's made a huge impression. Uh, was, you know, part of that the massive form run. And look, I can't wait to see what he does next season. I think, and to, uh, to be honest, thirty-seven years old, he's probably never been better. At least, at least at this level. Exactly. All right. That's part two all wrapped up. Let's move on to part three, looking ahead. So, for the Raw, uh, confirmed departures so far. Daniel Bowles, as mentioned, into retirement. Jake McGing, Aaron Reardon, Matt Rydenton all have been released. And Danny Kim's loan expired. And he's returned to Lions in NPL Queensland. Under contract, uh, the Raw have 14 players, two of which are occupying visa slots. You've got Crockham and Jamie Young. Uh, defenders, you've got Aldred, Gillespie, Hingett, Neville, Powell, and Truen. Uh, midfield, a bit light. Uh, Akbari and George Mills. And then up front, you've got Jai Ingham, Scott McDonald, Merza Muradovic, and Wenzel Halls. To be confirmed. Okay, this is where we're going to start the um, first discussion here. Uh, yes or no, would you bring them back? Uh, and admittedly, we don't know what the salary cap is going to be, what the squad restrictions are going to be. So just pretend it's going to be roughly the same as this year, within reason. Aaron Amati Holloway. Adam, would you bring him back? 
Uh, with an Asian Champions League qualifier in mind, yes. Scott? I think you could find a comparable player. I would, I would say no, and not just because I don't want to stand next to him, <laughs> but just solely because, as Adam said, I think I, t- I wouldn't complain if he was brought back, but I do think there are other options out there. Um, yeah. Okay. Corey Brown. Scott, would you bring him back? Yes. I think he's, I think he fills a role in the squad. Adam? Yep. I think, yeah, like I said, he didn't, he did nothing wrong in his return. So I think that deserves to be rewarded if, if he wants to come back. Yep, definitely. Uh, Jordan Courtney Perkins, Adam? Uh, assuming that he doesn't get an offer to go play in Europe, but I think that's probably where the aim where it'd be acceptable, I'd definitely bring him back. Now, he, he is a big, big prospect for the Raw. Definitely, I agree. Scott? Lock him up to a long-term contract. So when he does go to Europe, if he does, you get a transfer fee for him. Definitely. Okay, uh, Macklin Freak. Now, for me, I'm going to lead off and say no, and that I'm going to explain why in a little while. Okay, just a bit of a tease to keep okay. people interested. Uh, I think, Scott, we're up to you in the rotation. You're next. I would bring him back. I think he's a good young keeper to Adam's point. He's being groomed to be the progression or the replacement for Jamie Young. I'd bring him back. Um, Based on what I said before, uh, you know, I'm on the fence on this. So I think I think he's a good enough player that he could probably go elsewhere and continue his development. I, I don't think that he – I think if he wants to play you – know, yeah, you know, get minutes now. I think with uh, Max Crockham back, I think he might need to go elsewhere, even if it's a, even if it's MPL um, for a season, then come back or, or go out on loan. I, I oh, I'd love to see a, a uh, love to see the role lo, lo, sign him and then loan him out to an NPL club, similar to what they're doing yeah. with some of the W League yeah. players as well. I don't know if they're loans, but anyway, um, man, I would say taking salary out of the question. Yes, I would bring him back, Adam. Um, hmm. I mean, because I because of the rumors and whatnot, I I don't think he will be back. I, I don't think he will be, but if he yeah, I, if he feels if it's up if it's up to me, yes, absolutely. But uh, I just don't think he will be back. I think um I think he's got offers elsewhere. Scott, I could go either way on this one. I mean, he's got offers elsewhere, as you mentioned. It depends how you want to line up the midfield, James. Does he fit yeah. in the starting midfield or not? I think he probably does. So I'd probably lean towards yes, but it's a it's a toss up. And finally, very quickly, O'Shea? I'll Scott? surprise you and say yes. I think he, in that deeper role, he has a role to play. In that number eight me. position. Number eight position, he can play there really well. Same for uh, you, Adam? I would say definitely yes. And if he's playing in the centre midfield corona role, then definitely yes. But I don't want to hear this talk that he's going to be the playmaker because that's that's not him. I, I would bring him back. But interestingly enough, actually more towards the playmaker role but that does lead into the big that does lead into the big question though of how will Warren Moon have this team set up for next year because if he's going to keep the same system which I'm not I'm still not sure he's entirely a fan of if he goes back to that sort of 4-3-3 setup that he used at Lions or something and he has O'Shea operating in behind a striker that's where I think he might be better served especially if O'Shea's got a striker and two very attacking wingers to try and play in Who'd be a coach? I've got him as number eight. Adam's got him as number six, and you've got him as a number ten. Who'd be a coach? <laughs> if I'm his agent, I'm sending the audio here and saying, look how versatile he is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So, well, we kind of already touched on this there. So, for me, the area of improvement is just in attack. Now, 
for me, like, and same for you guys, I assume, it basically just comes down to how do you want this midfield to be set up? Or how do you want this team to be set up? Because that's probably going to dictate your recruitment. Right now, you probably actually have the... You could actually probably start uh, Jamie Young, Aldred, Gillespie, Neville, Hingett, and Isaac Powell, and you've got you back backline already set in the current setup, but I'm not sure that's necessarily the way that Moon is going to want them to play. I wouldn't be surprised if he opens the team up a little bit more and maybe tries to get a bit more chance creation. I'll be interested to see if he does stick with this formation, which worked at the back end of the season, or if he goes to what we've known more Moon to coach everywhere else he's been in that 4-3-3. I suspect, given an off-season, an opportunity to bring in his own players, I think he'll go back to the 4-3-3 which I think will be one holding midfielder and two number eight slash number tens with license to push forward. You think about, again, with Lyons, Sean Carlos, Mitch Hoare push forward in those types of roles. I think that, that'll be what he looks to go with. And I think this squad can play that way. Absolutely. Provided you get the right midfield players in to complement what they already have. Look, for me, uh, the, the area of improvement is simple. Score more goals, create and take your opportunities. I think you need that. You need, I think you need a good number 10. Um, and if, if that, Number 10, maybe a Scott McDonald, then you need a striker that's capable of scoring 15 or 20 goals. I think that's the key to roll. I think uh, you've got you've got one of the best goalkeepers in the league. I think defensively, I think you've got a very, very strong team. I think it's the attacking midfield offense where is where the uh, Raw need to improve if they're going to be contenders next season. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Um, now, overall with the recruitment as well. Um, there are going to be a few obstacles as well because you will need to somehow find a way to make the squad a little bit deeper if you are planning on getting to the Asian Champions League group stage, assuming there is an Asian Champions League group stage next year, which, like a lot of stuff at the moment, does seem to need to come with a little bit of an asterisk of just in case. Um, And not to mention, you are probably going to have a lower salary cap and um, probably I think it is going to be a lot more difficult to recruit visa players as well because you've essentially got to do it all virtually and hope that when they come to Australia, they get through quarantine without any dramas and like, they're going to probably be a little bit further behind on their fitness training. Well, the reading that Lou Sticker said today, obviously the super agent who's brought a number of players to this league in the last few years, Diamante and Del Piero among them. And he's basically said that he expects A-League clubs and the visa players to use the players who are already here. So I guess he's looking at it thinking that there's not going to be too many new visa faces into the league next year, which is an interesting thought. But again, that probably comes down to James, the salary cap potentially being reduced by about a million dollars or 30%, depending on which way you want to look at it. If that happens, you can understand why visa players wouldn't be coming. Yeah, absolutely. My suggestion is actually still, I finally come around on this, just scrap the cap, let the clubs operate within their means. And look, you might wind up with a little bit of a light blue monopoly. I won't call it a sky blue monopoly between Sydney FC and Melbourne City again, but call it a blue monopoly because the other Melbourne will come good too. Yeah, probably. But I don't know. That's just the way I would go about it. Yeah, um, I think with the exception of MacArthur, who have to cast the net a lot wider, and they have with um, Matt Derbyshire coming apparently coming down for next season. But yeah, look, I I tend to agree that I think the recruitment this season for the next season, I should say, I think it's going to be either whoever's here as far as the visa players, and then obviously what what else you can find sort of amongst the players have been released because yeah, I can't, I can't even even if the borders open, I can't see. 
I can't see this being solved in the next you know, three months. This is going to be a season where I think it's going to be local players and those visa players who are already here and have already got contracts, they're going to be the ones that are going to um, be in prominence. Yep, that's it. Okay, now, for the final part of this show, because we do accept, you know, we've been going for quite a while, so if you're still with us, thank you very much. Uh, we know this is much longer than your usual Brisbane Football Review show, but it's the last full podcast you're going to have, well, for a little while at least. So we're going to give you something to drag on for the next little while. So we're going to get a little bit constructive here and talk about some of the players that the Raw could recruit. Now, we're not going, we're going to keep it locally focused purely because there's just a whole world of football out there. I will say there are two players, James, who got released Jesse Daly and Ken Dougal, Queensland boys overseas who could come back. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, great. Uh, well, okay, Ken, Kenny Dougal, I would happily take. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to try and get a little bit constructive and offer some local options for the Raw to recruit. And we're going to start off with options from, well, the currently high-flying Raw Academy side in the NPL, who have just fresh off a 7-1 win over Brisbane City last night. So... Quite a few options. We'll go through one at a time and uh, to see who we can come up with for names. We'll start off with you, Adam. Um, I, look, I think it's Scott and I obviously who cover the MPL in depth. I think we're in absolute agreement that Harry Talbot, I think, is one that certainly is going to get a look at. Hard to believe that he's only 18 years old. Um, and, and yeah, but he is... Here's a prospect that, you know, especially in that, obviously, with the lack of depth in the midfield sign at the moment, here's one that's going to be very, very important. And, you know, we've seen him over the last three years sort of, you know, develop, you know, physically as a player, his style. He's captain of the youth team at the moment. He, he to me, is the number one prospect in the academy at the moment. And it just shouldn't be too long before we actually see him, you know, get a chance at senior level. Okay, we're going to go alphabetically, and I'm going to uh, throw out another name. Uh, in that midfield role as well, and could be one that winds up getting thrust in a lot earlier than expected just because he only joined the Raw in the last little while. But Keegan Yelisic, uh, the Raw youth games I've seen and commentated on, he looks unbelievably assured on the ball. He's happily skipping past the physical challenges you do get in NPL. And he's got the pace. He's got pace to burn as well. And keep in mind, he he was uh, at lines with Warren Moon as well. So I would not be at all surprised if... Moon decides, you know what, he's 18, but he's good enough. Let's bring him up and uh, give him a run with the first team, especially if Inman and O'Shea don't return and they do uh, have a hold Philip playmaker. He might not, you know, go and win the Johnny Warren medal in his first season, but I would not be at all surprised if when uh, Keegan Yelsich comes into the A-League side, he makes an instant impact. Well, firstly, Ari Talbot's a monster, and I think he's going to be a great player going forward, but I'll go for someone different. Um, Two guys who joined the Raw Academy in recent in the last couple of few months, Kai Tipaldo and um, Alex Parsons. Both of them are at the higher end of the age spectrum in terms of that youth side. It's now or never for both of them. Alex Parsons had a good impact. Kai Tipaldo's on about eight or nine goals now for the season. And the last Six two strikes... Five and three. Exactly. And the, the last two strikes, he scored 10-plus goals in the NPL for the Raw. For the Raw, James, Nick D'Agostino and Mirza Muradovic. So if Kai Tipaldo gets to that, that goal tally, he's in good company. I there think both go. of those might get a, might get an opportunity, at least in pre-season, to see if they've got it. All right. Uh, we'll go back the other way then, since Scott just went, uh, picked two. And another name that I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, shoring up the back line is Hassan Ramazani. He's been all over the place as well. And I'm still not sure what his best position is. I, I, I think it's a fullback. 
but he's got that versatility and very, very smart. Like he's someone that I think will be a fantastic asset for them. Uh, should he uh, get the call up? Yeah, look, I absolutely agree. Um, yeah, the other two names I had down were Tapaldo and and uh, Alex Parsons, and you can throw in Hassan Ramazani as well. And that, um, yeah, there there are some very very good players, and they when it all clicks together like it did last night, admittedly against a very poor Brisbane City, but they they absolutely belted them last night, and that was your your top players, and that's Keegan Yelchin. I think he came off the bench last night. So, um, look, there, there's some some fantastic prospects, um, and they, and hopefully they all get the pick of the litter, I guess. And I think there, there's five names there that you know, definitely you think that will be you now featuring at some point in the next few years. Yep, definitely. Okay, uh, we're going to move on now and try and recruit locally from uh, players with A League experience. Uh, we're going to go through and you want to do the uh, snake draft thing again? Yep. There's three three players from this, right? Three. Yep, and we're going to try and One avoid. Time. Yeah, we're going to try and yep. avoid uh, doubling up as well. So Scott, we'll give you the first pick this time. All right. Well, I'll go. No surprise here. Local bias. I'll go for Oscar Dillon. I think the Raw have obviously lost a couple of defenders. I think he could come in and be an absolutely perfect fit in the system that Warren Moon wants to play. Whether it's two or three, we've seen how good he can be in the grand final. Of course, James last year for Gold Coast. Delighted yeah. he got. Delighted he got an opportunity at Western United. Disappointed he didn't get retained, but I think he would be a great pickup for the Brisbane Raw. Yes, definitely. Uh, my next pick is actually from Melbourne City and uh, Remy Najarine. I think he's a player that uh, I know Joey Lynch has been quite high on him, if I remember correctly. So I'll trust Joey's opinion there and uh, take him. Adam, you're up. You've got two picks. Yeah, um, yeah, it was a very tough list list to go on, but I, I I'm going sort of young as far as you know recruiting, and I think uh, Matteo Cordier from uh, Western Sydney, I think that he would fit in just nicely in midfield, and also Patrick Langlois from um, Newcastle, I think two names I think could actually you know you know could do yeah, you know, do a good job, you know, without expecting superstar sort of, you know, ratings. But I know um, Cordier was rated very, very highly by the Wanderers. So to see him sort of, you know, available, that's um, very interesting. Yep. Okay, I'm up next now. And there's a few – I'm tossing up a few options here. There's a part of me that just wants to say Jay Barnett from Melbourne Victory just to bring another uh, player that the Victory poached back. So I'm going to say Jay Barnett, and he's also another body for midfield. Okay, I've got, so I've got two picks. Uh, sure, yeah. Okay, so it's just tough because I've got about five or six names I've listed here, so I have to choose between two of them. I'll go first pick, Roston Griffiths. I think midfielder, experienced body in midfield, whether he's a starting midfield player or somebody who you can bring off the bench. I think he could do a, a pretty good job for the Raw there. And the final pick for me, I'm going to go romantic. I'm going to say Bessar Barisha. He started <laughs> his career here in Brisbane. Let's bring him back here to finish his career in terms of the A-League in Brisbane. I don't know if he would work with Scott McDonald, but let's bring Best back. Why not? <laughs> uh, okay, my pick then, kind of in that same much, much less romantic way, but Steve Lustiger. He's, he seems to just be able to produce. He's a good you know, option if you need to fill out that midfield as well. So, uh, so what were my three picks then? I had Nazarene. Uh, Barnett and Lustica. There you go. Adam, your last pick. Look, I'm, I'm, I had someone else written down, but I was just looking again. Um, I can't believe I missed them, but um, I call an audible here, and I'm going to go Pacific Nyongbari. Is that just As, so that uh, I have to say his name every <laughs> Sure, why not? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, no, no, he, no, he, 
he is a good player. We've seen him for years. Um, getting he's got he goes chance of you know in the hub. And look, I think um, I think you know it would be a handy sort of option. You know, very very skillful, very sort of very quick player. Um, and if we could get his uh, little running mate Aladdin Irabona as well, uh, that would make my day. Yeah, because those two formed quite a good oh, yeah, duo yeah. in the Y League as well. So, mm. oh, there we go. Okay, so those are our three local options. I really wish we'd actually written all of this down. Excuse me. I really wish we'd, yeah, written it all see down. See how but... many of those nine actually end up here. <laughs> zero. Yeah, yeah, zero. That's <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> anyway, we'll see how that all goes. And now our final thing, because I think we're all in agreement that if the A-League clubs do have to get creative with their recruitment, their best uh, option is to dip into the NPL stocks. And that's something that we know Warren Moon is very familiar with. We're all quite familiar with it as well. Um, I think we spent much more time actually analysing these three options than we did the last three, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah. You and me. Yeah, I I, I agree completely. So, um, Adam, we're going to go back to you for the first pick for this one. Um, for me, for me, uh, Henry Hall, he is absolutely killing it at, at MPL level at the moment. Uh, look, he had some time at Perth Glory, came back to Lions. Uh, you think that he's still chasing a professional contract and look, the form he's in at the moment, um, he would not be our place, especially, you know, under Warren Moon. Okay, there we go. Scott, your pick too. Aren't you second? No, 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 I'm letting you go second this time. Okay, well, I'll go with his brother Mitchell then, because I think he's the sort of creative midfielder that the Raw could use off the bench. I think we've seen how good he can be when he's at his absolute best. He's missed the first part of the year for Lions, but he's an unbelievable midfield player, and I think he would be a great addition for any A-League side. Just be careful we don't pick too many Lions players, or Rob Scanlon's going to bloody disown us. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, in that case, I'm just going to cross off Joe Duckworth then. Because I, I will point out as well, a little bit of um, inside knowledge. When we were all coming up with our list, I think our challenge was to try and come up with nine, but only have one player per club on each of our lists. I'm disregarding I that. Yeah, so yeah. I. yeah, so can I? But, well, there are plenty of players all over the NPL. So I am going to go for a non-lined player for my pick here and say Tom Strickland. I, I think he's in fantastic form for Peninsula Power. And... Yeah, I think he'd be an interesting uh, addition to this raw side as well. I had him on my uh, list as well. Good player. Yep. And this is just me being unbelievably stubborn and also feeling a little bit sorry for the guy. Daniel Leck, he's doing quite well. <laughs> I was hoping you'd uh, choke on your drink there, Scott. No, no, but, he was on my list as well. It's a good, yeah. good pick. Yeah, so Daniel Leck, he's been... Um, I think he's in great form for Olympic at the moment. He scored the winner against lines in that ridiculously wild game a few weeks ago. And I I keep going back to the fact that I feel like he was released for playing a position that he's was, he's not a natural fit at in that he was filling in at fullback uh, purely yeah. because there was nobody else who was capable of filling in at fullback. But if they are going to go back to that 4-3-3 and you do need a winger who can come in and fill that role. Daniel Leck is probably one of the best options in the NPL. Yep. I think so. Um, so it's up to me? Yep. So I'll, my second pick, I'll go for a different Olympic winger and say Jez Lofthouse. I think he's been a player who's been on the radar for a little while now. He's, he's shown a bit more versatility this year, James. We've known him as a left winger. Mostly he's played a bit of right wing. He's played through the middle. I think he can bring that creative spark to the side that they might be lacking again as an option off the bench. 
That's my second yeah. pick. Adam? Well, let's keep the red and white trend going. And anyone who listens to our MPL shows would know I'm a very, very big fan of this player. And I say Tusku Sakia uh, as as a, a striking option. Um, I'm not sure how the um, visa would work, but a player that has experience, you know, not in MPL Queensland, so sort of seems to be settling in for Olympic, but also as well, you know, in MPL New South Wales for RP Leichhardt and also in MPL Victoria. So this is a player that has succeeded everywhere he's gone in MPL. So I think the natural next step, if he, of course, if he wants it, would be the A League, you know. I, look, and you know, I think he is a he is a great player. And for those who may not be uh, well tuned to the MPL Queensland, he's the guy that scored a double against Melbourne Victory in that uh, 2018 FA FFA Cup game at Leichhardt Oval when, when RP had knocked out Melbourne Victory. So he's certainly awesome got game. national stage presence. Definitely. So Ben can't knock to us either. Then <laughs> that's the next one that's not going to talk to us. We okay. just at- from his front line. Okay, Adam, uh, what's your next pick? Because you go back-to-back. Um, look, I'm going to go an obvious one. Um, and I think Andy Pangeli. I think, um, you know, simply, you know, you don't go around and score 50 goals in a season without having some sort of quality. Um, he's had a bit of a wretched time, you know, in 2020. You know, the, the move to Singapore sort of, you know, fell apart because of um, the pandemic. He's in... He's, uh, suffering injury at the moment of potential power, but look, um, you give him time. I think he's going to be, you know, a player for the future, a striker that has an eye for goal, and you know, it'd be a no-brainer to give him an opportunity. Definitely, even with even though I do think striker is probably lowest on the or second lowest on the priority list after goalkeeper. But anyway, yeah. that's that's me. Okay, so uh, I've got I'm tossing up between two choices here. Um, I'm actually going to pick a player that I'm going to be seeing up close on Saturday evening when I, uh, I'm commentating on Gold Coast Knights Brisbane Strikers. I'm going to take the young fullback from Gold Coast Knights, Matthew Sch- Matthew Schmidt, who I think he's a yeah that left-sided spot I think is still very much up for grabs. And um, please let me into the Croatian Sports Centre on Saturday night if anyone from Gold Coast Knights is listening. <laughs> Well, after you've just taken one of their players, they might not. But I was actually hoping you picked a different Gold Coast Knight because I was choosing between two. So I will disregard that Gold Coast Knight, Max Brown. Unfortunately, goals from midfield, I won't say him. I'll go Tommy. No, no, I'll go Tommy. We're well past the... uh, I think if we each individually don't pick players from the same club, we'll be fine. So I'm going back to the first club I stole a player from. So Rob's going to really won't like me. I'm going to say Tommy Jarrett. I think he's just such a great defender. He's been a really good young defender alongside Mafia Simic there for a couple of years. I think he's a player who is primed for an opportunity in the A-League, and I think he might get it. Definitely. Um, well, that's three rounds through. Uh, I will say as well, if you are interested in researching any of these NPL players, every match of every senior competition for all football Queensland is live on NPL.tv, and some of them are even commentated on by me. I won't judge you if you watch the game on mute. I'm glad you've memorised that read. Yeah, I know. It's great. Okay. Um, do you want to have one more run through uh, of players? If you want. You're first. I am? Yeah, well, you I just am. went last. You just went then, so go. Okay. Well, um, I, I would say Joe Duckworth, but I think we've already rated uh, Richlands enough. So I'm actually going to say Aiden Munford from Gold Coast United, the goalkeeper. It, sorry, that's what I was teasing before as well, where... If, if if Macklin Freak and Max Crockham both opt to move on, 
I think there are quite a few goalkeepers, uh, Munford and another, actually probably quite a few others, that uh, the Raw could opt to get a young backup for Jamie Young. Okay, Adam, so, Neil, you? Go ahead. Yep, sorry. Um, see, I was going to go Gold Coast United as well, and I think Sian Cuba. Um, oh, yeah, set it, specialist. Yep, and also as well, very, very handy winger. Um, he's a, another player, young player of immense talent and uh, and potential. And uh, look, I'd, I'd love to see him you know, get an opportunity at uh, A-League level. Okay, Scott, last pick. I'll stick with the player I was going to pick, Dan. Max Brown of Gold Coast Knights. Top 10 goal scorer last year in terms of the NPL. He's on pace to do that again this year. Goals from midfield are things that you just can't replace. I think he could be a good addition for, for an A-League side. Definitely. All right, well... That's 12. No one said Danny Kim. I'm surprised. Well, I oh, we were waiting to be there. I actually did forget to put the caveat at the start of no Danny Kim because <laughs> we think, I think we're all convinced he is going to be back with the Raw. Or someone. So, oh, yeah. Definitely. All right. Now, we've been going for over 100 minutes, so I think that's going to be it for this edition and season four of the Brisbane Football Review podcast. So, first of all, we'll say thank you to you, Scott. Thank you, James. Thank you, Adam. And to Adam. Yep, thanks, Scott. Thanks, James. It's been a great season as always. Can't wait for season five, whenever the hell that starts. Yes, that's it. Well, stay tuned to our social channels, The Raw Review on Facebook and at BNE Football on Twitter. Um, We're not really going to be going away, though, because we have the fantastic NPL coverage headed up by the two of you. uh, with our NPL Sunday Sunday night. And live coverage of uh, some feature matches as the season goes on from both NPL men's, women's and uh, any big FQPL matches as well. Um, the effort you guys put into that is just ridiculously good. So credit to you for that. I'll have to get you on the show one week, James. Yes. Well, when I have a free Sunday, I would love to join you. <laughs> Between my day job and the commentary, I don't have a lot of weekends <laughs> no. at the moment. And with NFL season starting, my Sunday nights now finish at about 7.30. But anyway, oh. yeah, so look, it's been... A ridiculously long season. As I said, I think 14 months from when we first started recording our FFA Cup preview, uh, discussing that competition last July or whatever it was. I think we're all about due for a lie down. Um, It's been certainly an interesting last six months or so as we've been having to record over Skype, learning how to do this via distance. But we should say as well, a massive thank you to everyone who has listened to the show over the season. Um, We obviously wouldn't be doing this without the fan support that we do have, and we hope we can continue to provide the level of coverage that keeps you coming back to us week after week. None more say here. Yeah. Um, We should thank everyone who also has joined us on the show this year as well. Yes, that was the next point as well. Thank you to all the guests, all the uh, clubs, the Raw, the NPL teams for their cooperation and accommodation for us as the season has gone along. It's been a lot of fun for us and uh, should give a special shout out to Kumara Colts as well, who really got on board with that FFA Cup preview as well. And um, yeah, it's been a fantastic season. We're going to take a little bit of a break from our regular podcast and um, oh, one more thank you as well. Football Nation Radio. It's been a pleasure being on board with them for the first season and hopefully we will continue to go on to further stuff with those guys down the line. In the when meantime, they get out. Though, Yes, that's it. Uh, (laughs) Hopefully that all gets sorted sooner rather than later. The podcast itself, we'll be back, I would say, we may come back for uh, NPL final special in November. And the podcast proper, 
whenever the A-League comes back. We'll have an announcement for that when we know when the season begins. Otherwise, that's going to be it for this season of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, everyone, for bearing with us. We know it's been a slog, but the season's done. Enjoy the off-season. Get out to the local football as well. That is the most important piece of advice I can say uh, and read and share all the coverage of both local and A-League football. I'm James, and we'll be back next season. Talk to you then.